Welcome back to New Rain, the Two Lights podcast. My name is Sumaya, and this is Asil. Um, and today we are going to talk about something that we have been pretty hesitant to actually speak about. Um, and we debated whether or not we were actually going to do this. Um, and I think we just came to the conclusion that uh, we wanted to speak about this. We wanted to bring light to this to this issue, and we're going to try our very best to do it in the most respectful, factual manner that we possibly can. Um, we are almost at the end of June right now, and by the time this episode comes out, it's actually going to be July 1st, inshallah. So Pride Month would have just concluded. It would have just ended. Um, and we kind of just want to speak about the Islamic perspective on this whole issue of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, it's not something that we want to speak about out of like hatred or disgust or anything like that. Um, I, cause I know that a lot of people tend to, tend to believe that we are not here to attack anybody or anything. We are simply here because um, there are a lot of people that tend to be very confused about this subject. Um, I know that I even had someone recently ask me, you know, I'm confused about Islam's perspective on the LGBTQ plus community because I've seen Muslims who fully support it and I've seen other Muslims who are against it. Um, and so it does become kind of confusing. And so we're here to just um, spread the knowledge that we have about this about this subject and that's really all that we are <laughs> aiming to do with this episode so to start off i want to talk about identities mm -hmm. um you know just in general you know without even thinking just about the lgbtq community you know what makes you who you are what actually makes up your identity I was listening to um, a khutbah at our masjid on Friday, like two or three, it was like two it weeks was two ago, years ago. Um, and the imam said something that really, really stuck with me, and I was like, wow, that's such a great way to kind of put this into perspective, but he basically said, you know, your inclinations, the things that each and every one of us is inclined towards, for example, we all have th certain things that we like to do. Right. For example, the example he gave was like, you know, um, let's say you go running a few times a week. You know, you go running maybe like a couple times a week or you're jogging, whatever. Do you automatically go and say now that I am a runner? Like, do you is that is that is that who you are or is that something that you simply are inclined towards something that you like to do? And I was talking to Asil about this and I was like in the same way, you know, for example, something that I like to do, something that I'm inclined to do is baking right? Just because I bake a lot, just because I'm inclined towards that particular activity, does that make me, in my essence, a, a baker, baker and that's it? Yeah. You know, like, is that the whole of my identity? And I had never thought about it in this way before, where it's kind of like, your identity is not what you like to do. Mm -hmm. Your identity is not what you're inclined towards. Instead, your identity is who you are. Yeah. And those things, you know, those characteristics, those qualities, those things you like to do, they may definitely play a part in who you are, right, in your essence. But 
I personally believe that your identity and your essence influences everything else that you do. Mm-hmm. So it's not that your your characteristics and the things that you're inclined towards and the things that you like to do make up your identity. I think it's your identity that dictates the rest of them. And so first and foremost, our identity is Muslims, right? Yeah. We are Muslims. Our, our <coughs> Islamic identity is the most important one. So even for someone who is a Muslim, who is, let's say, inclined to do something that is not necessarily Islamic, let's say you are a Muslim, but you're inclined towards smoking, for example. Um, Your identity as a Muslim should actually stop you from what you're inclined to do. Yeah. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's not that your inclinations make up your identity. It's that your identity needs to be what dictates the rest of everything else. Yeah. So I guess I just want to ask you, what what do you think of when you think of identity? Like, what does that sort of mean to you? That's a really loaded question. Yeah. Um, because I want to start off by saying, like, like, we have been programmed since we were kids. Like, what's your name? How old are you? And what do you enjoy doing? Or what's mm. your favorite thing to do? So, the typical icebreaker Yeah, <laughs> the typical things that you've been doing since kindergarten, right? All the way through high school and even to, like, these, like, new student orientations at college. Like, those are the questions that they ask. Yeah. And it kind of narrows. And I, ever since, like, a certain age, I'd always have the same response. Like, my name is Asil. I'm this old. And I like to do the X, Y, and Z. Right. You know? And so when Sumaya... Um, posed that to me when she was because I didn't go to the chutbah that day I kind of wish I did but that was yeah. like the one day I wasn't able to um and she told me that and I was like wow that really makes you think like who am I yeah you know absolutely and so this concept of identity I think we have to realize we carry a lot of titles in, in our lives you know for example first and foremost I am a Muslim before anything else you mm-hmm. know and then I am a daughter and then I am a student and then you know um, someone can be a mother or a wife or, you know, all of these things or a grandparent. And so I think like you have all of these different titles and stuff, but those, like Samaya was talking about, your identity isn't the things you enjoy doing. It's like you have all of these different roles, but which one is the supreme role? Which is the one that you sort of align with the most? So whenever I think of my identity, I have to remember I am first and foremost Muslim and then everything comes second. And in that process, everything that comes second ends up kind of almost being intertwined with this identity yeah. of being a Muslim. I am right. a daughter that behaves this way. Why? Because Islam tells me to, you know? Yeah. I am a student that tries my very best, and sometimes I don't know if I do, but I try my very best to achieve excellence in everything. Why? Because Islam tells me to. Yes. You know, it's as simple as that. We already have our identities written out for us. We already have a guideline, an outline. Um, everything else will beautifully intertwine into that. Right. And so especially as I'm getting older, I'm really like thinking like, who am I? You know? And then I like and then after somebody told me that I realized I'm a Muslim. I'm a Muslim who does this and this and this because Islam tells me to. And yeah, I enjoy doing these things on the side. But as long, you know, at the end of the day, those those pure things of like enjoyment when you're how do I say this right? Um, At the end of the day, those are superficial. You know, yeah. it's not really what is, it's not really what's embedded deep within your heart. Right. So when I think of identity and first and foremost Muslim, everything comes second. But even with it coming second, it all, it's, it just becomes a beautiful roadmap of life, I guess. It, it's, you know, it's, it's so interesting because we do play different roles. Mm-hmm. We all have several roles that we yeah. play in our lives. Um, but just like you were saying, your Islamic identity comes first and everything else is influenced by your Islamic yes. identity. And so, you know, it, it is, I, that's the thing. It's like, 
what is it that's at your essence? Like, what is it that is your first and foremost identity? And how is it influencing everything else? Because when you are motivated by religion or when your essence is dedication to God, that's a pretty morally straight way to be living. Yeah. Right? And so I think it becomes an issue, and we see this a lot with, like, teenagers especially, or even social media with trends. Yes. It's like... Do you do you even know who you are when you're constantly just changing according to what's popular? Other people, yeah. You know? Because if you at your essence know who you are, you're not just going to be fluctuating and like changing open to with change the times. all the yeah. time just because other people are doing it. I think that is a really good point because a lot of people, people will often even make their identities of being opposing the trends. And I think this is something mm, we talk about. Yeah. Their identity essentially becomes, oh, everyone likes this, so I don't like that because I'm my own person. Yeah. Well, in reality, you're still letting those trends and these general concepts that society has come up with or the things that are, are, that are trending at the moment still influence who you are because you choose to not... It's like... Oh, you know, everyone is having these Stanley Cups. I don't want a Stanley Cup because mm-hmm. I don't want to be like everyone else. Okay, yeah. well, your your identity or who you're trying to make yourself be is based off of this trend. It's still it's still being influenced by it regardless, you know? Yeah. Because you're still trying to oppose it. And so right. I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize. It's like, oh, you're just like every other girl. Like, I'm not like every other girl. Well, you're still letting every other girl dictate who you are. Yeah. You know, and I think that's something that you really have to think deep down, like, when she was coming to the end of her life, she was often found contemplating who she was. Like, who am I? Mm. Like, who is this beautiful creation? Aisha, like, who am I? You know? Right. And so even towards your end of life, I feel like you still don't really fully know what your identity is. You just know the general concept of it. Um, and another thing about identities, and I try to think about this a lot, is my mom was telling me, she's like, don't you think it's weird that you only see the reflection of yourself? You never actually see you. Like, oh. you know, and we were talking about that. Yeah. And it was in context of something completely different. But I was thinking about it. I was like, you're right. No one actually hears the thoughts that are going on inside my head. I don't know how people are interpreting me inside their own heads. I only hear what the words that they describe me as. And that's something that when I think of identity, I think of the things that people say about me, the things that people... Mm have associated with me, you know, striving for excellence, this and that, being hard-headed sometimes, you know, all of these things. And I always remind myself, like, my identity, I want to be associated with good words because at the end of the day, when the angel of death, you know, takes our souls and, you and like, wraps us in, like, our cloth, as it, when we get ascend through the heavens, you're approached, like, from the first gate and they're like, who is this person that you brought to us, essentially? Um, And they describe you as the words that you were described in in this life, the uh, adjectives that people associated with you, you know. Sumaya was hardworking, she was this, she was that, you know. And then you'll ascend all the way up to the seventh heaven, uh, the seventh gate, and um, it's the gateway of sincerity. I don't, yeah, that's that's what I remember. I remember uh, this is from an uh, Aisha Prime video actually that I listened to, and I referenced mm. it before. It's a really really I good one. To it um, too. <laughs> she, so these words are essentially weighed, and it's given as a judgment given by Allah. So the gate. So hold on a second. They they then allow 
hold on. They then mm-hmm. allow them to enter the heavens until they reach the seventh. This gateway reaches the throne of Allah. The words that were described earlier were almost weighed and given judgment by Allah. And the seventh door, it's not about the adjectives of the words. It's about the gateway of sincerity. Mm-hmm. It's about were they actually sincere and true to this identity almost, you know? Uh-huh. These words, okay, she's known as someone that prayed a lot. But does she only pray in front of people? Mm. Or does she pray behind the closed doors too? Your identity isn't just what you make yourself out to be in front of everyone. It's what you actually choose to believe about yourself, you know? Right. And so it's no longer about what people have said about you It's a, and not what you presented to the world. It's what you presented to yourself and what you presented to Allah behind those closed doors. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's something that I really, really try hard to remind myself of. It's like my identity is not what I show Sumaya. It's not what I show my mom. It's not what right. I show my dad. At the end of the day... It's what I show Allah privately, you know? Yes. And I'm always talking about pure intentions. It's something I bring up in almost every single episode. But in reality, your truth of your identity is made up of your intentions. If your intention is to show off for other people, then that says a lot about your identity. Mm-hmm. Because that's not really true who you truly are, you know? Yeah. And one more thing. People say, like, act like the person that you want to become. And honestly, I really do agree with that. When you put your mindset, like, I want to be this person, or I see myself as, not a, not a specific person, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you know, the qualities, right. the traits, like, you know, I want to be someone that is hardworking, this and that. Just go ahead and do it, you know? Yes. Just do make it, it till you make, make it. it. And I know somebody <laughs> says that all the time, and I don't necessarily say that a lot, but when it comes to your identity and what you want to be, you have to start from somewhere, right? And you yeah. have to have full confidence and belief that you are going to become like right. this, regardless of the struggles that people see or don't see, you know? Yeah. So just remember, like, your identity, the words that people say about you will get you all the way up to the seventh gate. But once you get up to that seventh door, it's really just a matter of what you presented to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah. And that's so, your true self. Yeah, I, I really love all of that. I think that, you know, you said when you think of your identity, you think of the words that people use to describe you. And I think that that's, that's great, you know, especially if people are describing you positively, but mm-hmm. it's not just how people describe you, it's how would you describe yourself. Yeah. And the, does the way that you would describe yourself align with the way that other people describe you? Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, that's, this is all kind of very deep talk when we're talking about this identity, identity thing, but... What do you think, and I know you gave us a pretty a pretty long explanation. Sorry. No, no, it's okay. It was really good. A really long explanation of kind of this whole sincerity and pure intention thing. Mm-hmm. So is that what you believe to make up the Muslim identity? Like, what do you think makes up that Muslim? Because a lot of people can say, I'm Muslim, oh, right? A lot of yeah. people can say that my identity is that I am Muslim. Or they can just say it. But yeah. when, does it, when, when does it become an identity? Okay, that's a really good question, and I'm trying to find a concise way to answer that. Um, I think that your identity becomes, like like you were saying, like your true Muslim to the core is when you see the beauty of Islam in everything that you do. Mm. And you seek those people that that remind you of the beauty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his magnificence. 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 I can't say it. Magnificence. seek those people you um begin to accompany yourself with those people you begin to isolate yourself a little bit more and you find peace in the remembrance of Allah's Ta'ala. where at that it becomes to the point where you just want to do everything in your power to please him it's not just 
I'm going to go pray during that allotted time. It's, I'm going to go pray as early as I can because Allah SWT is waiting for me. He has an appointment for me and I don't mm. want to make him wait. And when you do come late, oh, ya Allah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Being a true Muslim is realizing that now I can, I don't know why I'm getting emotional all of a sudden. That's weird. That's not normal. Being, I think being a Muslim to the core is just realizing that everything that you do in this life is going to lead to the next and that your goals in this life have to align with your goals in the next. You know, yeah. I want to have a family, inshallah. Why? One day, like one day. Why? Not because, you know, I just want the enjoyment of this life of just, you know, going out and doing this itty bitty family trips and beach and this and that. No, it's because I want to raise people on Islam. I want, inshallah, to have kids that are going to raise me through the ranks, uh, inshallah, like they memorize the Quran and they get to crown me. You know, you want a beautiful, you want a beautiful future. You want a successful life. You want to be able to, be successful in this life so you can help others in this life so that way they can also advocate for you on the day of judgment yes being a true muslim is just seeing allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and every everything that you do and seeking those that remind you of him so wow that's that's my answer i love that and i i absolutely agree with everything i think that just to add on to that you know i think that you know that you can really claim that muslim identity when you you yearn to worship yeah um when the act of worship when your prayer doesn't feel like a burden when you have it in you that you want to increase your knowledge yeah that you actually want to memorize more quran or you know perfect your quran or, or delve into the tafsir when you actually want to um help others in the way of Allah, when you, I don't know, just when you, when you have this yearning to actually do these things, and it's not just because I, I grew up like this, not mm -hmm. because my mom and my dad did it, not because, you know, I'm at the masjid and everyone's doing it around me, even if it's not a showing off thing, you know, I think that you know that you really embodied that Islamic identity when everything that you do, you do it because you understand what Allah is expecting of you and you want to live up to those expectations. Yes. Because you actually you know, in our very limited understanding of Jannah, you actually want to get there. Um, and also, I think when you start to recognize that you don't want to even be around those people or in those environments where you aren't able to let your Islamic identity flourish. You know, you don't even yeah. want to be around people who curse. You don't even want to be yeah. around people who... Um, promote, you know, even if they're Muslim, they're, maybe they're not necessarily at the same level, you know, you don't want to be around those people who discourage you in a sense, or who you don't even feel comfortable practicing around, you know, when you don't, you don't even want to fit in anymore. And I feel like that's something that has been hitting me really hard in the past few months, especially it's that like, I don't even care to fit in anymore. Yeah, I have no desire you know, it's like, I don't even want to follow through with the trends. I don't necessarily, this is one example that comes to my mind. It's really super surface level, but like, for example, people nowadays in their obsession with shoes and the fact that they're willing to spend like yeah. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars on shoes, which, okay, like if that's you your thing, nice pair every once great, in a while. that's fine. Yeah. But for me, never even having owned that much, that expensive of a shoe or whatever, like, I don't even care that I'm not wearing the same shoes as everybody yeah. else. I don't even care that I'm not willing to spend that much money just to look like everybody else. So again, that's a super, super surface level example, but just, just knowing that you don't even care to fit in anymore. Like, that's not even what you want 
to to do. And this is a quote from the movie Wonder, which was like oh my, my favorite movie for so long. But the mom literally tells her son, I can't I can't remember what his name is, even though I watched the movie like three <laughs> times. But she literally tells him, she says, you know, why do you want to fit in when you were born to stand out? Yeah. And as a Muslim, like you're born to stand out. And I think that you have to be so willing to embody all of the principles and teachings of Islam to the best of your abilities. Because again, like, you know, there's always more to learn. We always slip up. But to the best of your ability, you know, you're you're willing to to sort of really become a person who um, who just, uh, how do I, like personifies the teachings almost. Um, and so I feel like that was just our little introduction into identities. I, I like that a lot. If you have anything else to add about that particular no, segment. I just really liked how you like personified. That, yeah. that was a really good way of because that's literally what you're doing. You're taking the words Trying, of, at least. Yeah, you're and I slip up all the time. I think we all I'm do. I'm not even going to act like I yeah. don't. But. Being, and another thing is being a true Muslim is realizing that you slip up and that's okay because you're going to fix it for the better and you're going to repent. And you're going, right. you're not just going to slip up and be like, okay, I'm done for. Right. That's not. It, yeah. It's a, having a positive outlook on everything in life regardless of what's going on because you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to take care of you. You know, yeah. and that's something that we need to remind ourselves of sometimes, yeah, you know? Absolutely. But I think that was a beautiful introduction. Yeah, into a little our, bit of a, it's a long a intro. Bit of a long introduction. <laughs> that could be a whole episode in and of itself. Oh my no, goodness. I love that, that was really that nice. That was one of my favorite segments I think we've ever done. <laughs> Dang. That came straight from the heart too, folks. We yeah. were not we were not planning we were and not. going that route. Like whatsoever. Okay. So, so. <laughs> to get into it, I don't even know how to start this. Um I so, guess, sorry. No, Go I ahead. guess just to take it from the whole identity perspective, when yeah. we're, you know, switching gears to talk about the Islamic stance on the LGBTQ plus community. Yes. I think from my understanding and from the way that I've seen this community represent themselves is they truly make their identity their sexuality or their gender. Yes. And... I think from everything that we just spent 20 minutes talking about, you know, you can sort of see where there's a disconnect mm -hmm. because I'm a female. Yeah. I'm seen as a female. But 100%. we were just saying how first and foremost, that's not our identity. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. You know, Someone's we're not laughing about this. My mom was like banging pots downstairs. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they could even hear that or if we're just laughing for no reason. You know, um, but... We should have a giggle track. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but seriously, it's it's kind of like, yeah, even though we know that we are females, that's not our primary identity. Being straight is not our primary I, identity. Honestly... Do you know what I mean? I'm going to be completely real. When I was talking about identities earlier and everything that I listed... Being a female and being straight or homosexual or whatever. No, no, a hom <laughs> heterosexual, <laughs> not homosexual. <laughs> Homo means the same. Heterosexual, sexual, those were not even things that I even thought of because those are just naturally like, like those are just things that you just assume, you know? They're just things that right. you, they are given, Yanni. Right. They're not even things that you have to, for me at least, I don't have to debate about. I know I'm a woman, you know? Right. So I think all of the other roles are things that can change in my own mindset, you know? Yeah. So there's those are not even terms that I would I, I identify with myself with because, like, 
I can just look at you and I know, you know? Right, and it's kind of like, yes, like, we, yes, we are females, and yes, yes. we are, like, heterosexual. But, okay, like, we understand. does that really compose but your is identity? That, is that my entire, per- is that who I am in its essence, and, and that's That's it. a very baseline. Do you know what you I know, mean? Yeah. So I feel like just to kind of, when we're talking about this whole identity thing, the way that I have seen the, the community present themselves is that their sexuality, their sexual orientation, their gender is everything. Yeah. You know? And so I think that Islamically, that becomes a little bit of an issue when you're kind of talking about, oh, well, what comes, what actually comes first, you know? No, I don't. I'm a little bit confused. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Well, I just mean that, you know, the way that you see everything when it comes to the LGBTQ community. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. Is that they, when they claim a certain sexuality or they claim a certain gender for themselves, it becomes who they are. Oh, yeah. It becomes everything. Like, Mm -hmm. that is their basis for everything. Mm -hmm. And Islamically, we're we're supposed to be Muslims first and foremost. Okay, yeah, I guess. You see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So there is just a disconnect, I feel like, in in that perspective. It's more of just, I feel like, um, in terms of that community, it's all about trying to figure out who you are. Mm. Because there's no set guidelines when you don't have religion in your in your life like I'm being really blunt and straightforward but that's like the honest truth like why do we have religion in the first place because we as humans we can't like and we spoke about this in one of our episodes I don't I think indivisible was that the episode or yeah I believe it was indivisible um but we spoke about this concept of how Islam gives us and we talk about this a lot but how Islam gives us those guidelines and it's not just Islam honestly it's all religions, you know, re- religion as a whole, its whole purpose is to be able to, I don't know, like, how do I it say It guides that? you. It guides you, it yeah. Gives you so, but when you up, completely you know? disregard religion, because I think that seems like the majority of that community, it's just like religion as a whole is a taboo for them. Um, you end up just trying to, you end up your whole life searching for who you are and you die not knowing who you are. You know, mm. to an extent, because it can change, because you're convinced it can change. You know, versus a Christian, if they're like a true Christian to heart, they're gonna die knowing I was a Christian. Right. A Jew, a true Jewish person is gonna die knowing I was a Jewish person. A true Muslim is gonna die knowing I was a true Muslim. You know. Yeah. But this community, because it's all based off of your inclinations, like Samaya was saying, or the things that you you desire, things that you want to do. As humans, that changes. Right. Like, honestly, that's so true. The things that I desired when I was 10 are way different, like way different than the things I desire at 18. You know what I mean? So when your whole identity is based off of the things that you desire, that changes and changes and changes, and it's always going to change. So when you die, you don't know who you are. And I think that we see that, and again, like this is, I'm just speaking from what I've seen yeah, yeah. From, from this community, but even their sexual orientation, they change that sometimes. Oh, yeah. You know, it goes from I'm gay to now I'm bi to whatever I even was actually scrolling through Instagram one time and I saw that there was this girl who um basically posted a video that was like oh like that one time that I thought that I was um that I was bi but actually I was just like trying to find a way to fall into like follow the trends or or something like that you know it's just kind of like like Asid was saying, it, it fluctuates. It and your desires and your inclinations they do fluctuate, and we do we do tend to see this a lot even within the community where it's kind of like because you're trying to figure out who you are, um, 
you're not, you don't have a solid basis, you know, to actually do that with. So it just, it does change. And so can you really place your identity on something that is so changing? Yeah. You know? Because, like, at the end of the day, you, an identity is supposed to be something that's a solid foundation for everything else. Right. But if that foundation is changing and it's moving and it's unsure, everything else is going to fall apart, you know? Yeah. And I think you were talking about this whole, like, trend thing with, like, oh, I was just following the trends because I was, like, this this girl that you were describing. Right. And I think, I think more often than not, because it's also since it's being taught – This is something I do want to address, and I'm going to try my best to do this respectfully. But because this concept of sexuality is being taught to children at such a young age, it's going to confuse them. You know, Mm -hmm. it's it's a very complex um, conversation to have. Even I don't fully understand it. You know, and I'm 18, and I and I'm growing up with this. But bringing it into the like uh, an educational standpoint, where you're trying to be like, oh, you can be a boy. Oh, you can be a girl. Oh, you can be this, or you can be that. They're still trying to figure out their ABCs and one two threes. Right. That's not you're not gonna go and bring up abstinence and like things like that to you know kindergartners and first graders, right? And that's a discussion. It so yeah, much now but that's like a or like you know all of these things, and I'm not gonna get explicit here, but y'all know what I'm talking about. We don't bring those things to first graders and kindergartners. So why is the concept of sexuality being introduced at such a young age? Because at the end of the day, that's just gonna make them seem like you know, oh, I was being taught that, so that's what I am, you know. And then you grow up and it changes changes and it changes and at the end of the day it's it's more of a trend thing you know like starbucks now was taking down all their pride decorations why because people were going against target you Mm -hmm. know what i mean do you realize the marketing of it as well it's like and then people go and they they do strikes or whatever and the decorations are going to go back up but imagine little kids that are learning this from a young age they don't really understand the whole concept of it you know right and that's something that i think we need to realize is if we're not going to talk about like sex or this or that like at a young age for itty bitty kids like why why should we bring in the concept of sexual sexuality into our schools maybe instead we can talk about how there are different people in the world and more of a cultural standpoint right talk about respect, culture kindness. respect you know th- everyone's different you know this and that and then when people get later and that's sexuality is something you kind of just learn as you're getting older and what these things are Okay, then whatever. Because at the end of the day, it is engraved in our society now. That's just the way our society is. You can't change that. But what you can change is filtration of the topics that you bring to these young kids. Right. And I think it's, first of all, when you're talking about kind of this whole situation with like Starbucks and Target, um, you mentioned earlier that, you know, your identity shouldn't be influenced by the fact that you're either trying to be like everyone else or that you're actively trying not to be like everyone yes. else. And that just plays right into it. This whole thing with, with Starbucks, especially it's like, you don't have an actual belief system. So you're just either doing what everyone else is doing, or you're just not doing it because you see the backlash that's happening to people who are exactly. doing it. Um, and then just to kind of like move this conversation along when you're talking about this whole thing with children, in the same way that, you know, as a, let's say, let's say you're in a school setting and you are a Muslim teacher or you're a Christian teacher, mm-hmm. right? In a school setting, in a public school setting, you are technically not allowed to preach any religious values, period. Yeah. Like you are not allowed to bring your own personal values and try to enforce that on your class. You're not supposed to preach anything with your to do with your religion. You're there to do a job. You're there to teach yeah. a subject. You're not there to, to teach about the rules of Christianity and the Bible or as a Muslim, you're not there to teach the Quran. You're not there to um, talk about whatever Islamic things. Like, you're not there for that purpose. Yeah. So in that same way that 
in a school setting, you're not allowed to um, bring in any religious influences. Why is it that we're seeing, you know, that this this idea of, of gender fluidity and sexual orientation, why is that being shoved down these kids' throats? You know, why yeah. is that the only thing that's actually allowed to yeah. be shoved down these kids' throats? I mean, there are you certain know? topics that are like 18 plus. Why? Because those are adult topics. And I think the concept of sexuality should also be an adult topic. It should not be something taught it's, to children who are still developing right. and still learning who they are. I would say you know? I, I, it's not even necessarily that it's an adult topic versus not. It's just that... It's a, the parents' responsibility to raise their kids that's the way true. they want to. If they want to introduce them to those things, that's up to them. Like, you know? Yeah. But in the same way that, for example, if I had a child and I was sending them to school and then, you know, they, they had, for example, a teacher who is not Muslim and this teacher starts to basically preach about her religion and she's, like, shoving Christianity down my, my kid's throat, I wouldn't appreciate that. Yeah. I absolutely would not appreciate that well, because that's not the way that I want my kid to be yeah. brought up. Well, it's not even just that. Even teachers, they're not allowed, like in public school settings, they're not allowed to speak about their political ideologies and what they associate with. So if you can't talk about your political preferences, if you can't talk about your religion, why should you be allowed to talk about your sexuality and teach these kids about sexuality? You know, you're not explaining complex religious stuff that's that's for if you're going to teach religion that's for a religious school setting right if you're going to teach politics that's in a history class you know right there is a certain setting for everything you can't go and bring sexuality into a math class but you see that happening like i've seen like tiktoks and stuff of teachers who will find a way any way possible to embed sexuality into a regular english conversation to a regular math conversation with these little kids and it's just it's not it's not needed it's unnecessary and this might be a little bit controversial, but the fact that if you, for anything, if you have to push so hard to normalize something, then it kind of just shows you that it, it's not normal to begin with. Well, you know? not only that, I mean, so, I do agree with that, but to further expand on that, it's it's more of we're not pushing on people to become Muslim. No, we're not. You know, the right? majority of Christians, unless you're like a Jehovah Witness or something, are not pushing on people to become Christian. You know what right. I mean? Um, it's more of just like, okay, people respect me for who I am. And as long as they respect me, I'm going to be me, you know? Yeah. Uh, but this, this entire community, part of their identity is getting everyone to accept them. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if all the other communities in the world are not working to get people to accept them, it's just kind of like, okay, I'm going to do me. You do you. That's great. That's cool. Why do you have to be so different? Why do you have to, why does everyone have to agree with you? People yeah. look at us and they can hate us for being Muslim. You know yeah. what? That's fine. You do you. You know, I can disagree with a lot of Christians about a lot of their morals and Absolutely. stuff or a lot of other religions. But right. you know what? That's fine. You do you. As long as you don't hurt me, I'm not going to hurt you. Right. But the the whole, um, the almost like, not mission statement, I don't want to say that, but just kind of like the, the, the reality of this community is that, you know, I'm this way and you have to respect me for this and you have to accept me it's not even just a matter of respect it's a matter of acceptance they're asking for more than just our respect and our respect that's a that's a human thing i'm gonna respect anyone regardless of what you call yourself or what you believe i'm gonna respect you because you are a human being and And my religion tells me you know absolutely uh you know exactly my religion teaches me respect so i'm gonna do that but to go as far as acceptance, now that's too much. I don't ask anyone to accept me for being Muslim. I just ask that, you know, that just human kind. kindness, right, exactly. you know? It's as simple as that. And I don't know yeah. why it's such a taboo topic when it comes to, like, I'm going to respect you, but I'm not going to accept you. 
Yeah, and I, I think that, and we, we actually, so back in like December, we uploaded an episode yeah. called The Lightning Round, I believe. Yeah. And we very, very briefly touched on this. I want to say that, you know, as Muslims, we, and I, we'll go into, you know, more of the Quranic and, and Hadith sort of uh, verses and things like that that yeah. actually support what we're saying. But as Muslims, just to kind of introduce this, we do not agree with the LGBTQ plus um, values and morals. We don't agree with this idea that there are more than two genders, that your sexuality is changing. We believe that God created male and female, and he created us with the... um, (laughs) the body parts necessary um, to reproduce right we believe that 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 is what Allah ordained for us now just like Isid was saying and and I mean you know we of course we have to interact with people of the LGBTQ plus community all the time and we do at school work wherever we are Mm -hmm. in the in, in a store in the mall and I will never once look at a person who is maybe visibly part of that community and treat them differently. Yeah. I will never go out of my way to be rude or disrespectful. Um, I've, of course, had very, very many classmates who associate themselves with this community, and I treat them just like I would treat any other classmate. With yeah. kindness, with respect. You have my respect, just like Asin was saying, because I want people to respect me. Yeah. You know, so I'm going to respect you. Just like I don't expect everybody to support me or to agree with my values, you know, I expect that people expect the same from me just because, you know, we're all human. We all have our own different sets of values and morals. We all believe that different things are right versus wrong, but I'm not asking people to necessarily support me. I'm not asking people to um, agree with my religious values, Mm -hmm. but I am asking for respect. And so because I expect that, that's how I treat others. That's how I treat people of the LGBTQ community as well. I don't agree. I don't support you. You're not going to find me at a pride parade. You're not going to find me advocating for your rights. You're not going to find me supporting politicians who are advocating for your rights. Yes. But when I interact with you, it will be an interaction of respect. Yeah. And when I when I speak with you, I will speak to you with kindness um, because that's what Islam teaches. You know, Islam yeah. teaches us that we have to be kind and compassionate to everybody, regardless of their race or their ethnicity or anything else. Um, so, okay, I have a couple of things to say on that before we go into the more of the <clears throat> historical context and the Quranic, like where where do we even get these values from in right. terms of um, approaching the LGBTQ situation? But before I talk about that, we were talking about how their identity they try to like almost um, make it known to everybody. But when Smay and I were speaking about our identity, something that I noticed is that we both, they were all private things that you keep really close to your heart. Your identity is something that you hold sacred to yourself almost. It's not something that you have to make known to the world. That you have to publicize. That you have to publicize. And I think that's something about this community. Another, um, Another issue I personally have with it is your identity is something that should be kept between you, yourself, and you. You know what I mean? Um... And so unlike the way Samaya and I were describing our identities, I think another another reason why a lot of people have an issue and backlash towards this community is just because, okay, cool, you have that identity, but it, it's not something that everyone needs to know about. That's something that you can keep to yourself, and that's fine, because everyone else manages to keep their identities to themselves. You and know, I, I don't ha- I don't walk around with a sticker that says I'm Muslim. I walk around with a hijab, yeah. yes, representing <laughs> my deen, right. but it's not, it's not 
outright being like, I wear hijab, you need to wear hijab too. Like, Mm. it's not the way it is. So this community, though, it's like, I'm gay and you need to respect me for that and, you know, you should be too or something like along those lines of or just... if you don't agree all of a sudden you're You're, you're a homophobic and all, all of these all things. Of these things. Um, so that's just something I really wanted to uh, clarify is just like, you know, I feel like... Or address is I really feel like your identity should be something that you should keep to yourself. And people can see parts of your identity, identity through your actions and what you truly believe. But at the end of the day, like, only you and God should know what your true identity is. And a lot of the times we won't even know what our true identities are, you know? So that's just something I wanted to touch yeah, on. Yeah, your fast. identity, yeah, it's it's personal, but it should, like, everyone should be able to see that. Not because you're screaming it from the rooftops or because you're trying to shove it down other people's throats, but because you live it out. Exactly. You, know, because that's you let people you, see it in your actions. Who you are. Um, um, yeah, so I think let's let's go ahead and get into the historical more context. of the uh, Quranic factual mm-hmm. sort of um, information. So... We um, believe that the story of Prophet Lut is where this kind of all comes from. So Prophet Lut, I don't know what the English, what is his English name? I'm not really sure. Um, But Prophet Lut, he was sent to the people of, what was the town called in English? I'm like trying to think of the English English name. I don't know the English name. But essentially, the the people, his people... um, Specifically, the men is, is specified. They mm-hmm. were engaging in acts of homosexuality, and the you know Prophet Lut he essentially would he would t- tell them many times you know this is this is wrong. He mentioned that this is a, a, a sin that nobody else before you has ever committed. Nobody else yeah. before you has ever participated in these acts. You know he's telling them you know basically be be men who are. I, who live with, with dignity, who aren't necessarily engaging in, in these kinds of acts. You know, you have your wives, you have perfectly fine wives who are waiting for you. There's women in this in this, in this this yeah. society, you know. And there's many different adjectives that, that the Qur'an uses. And, and actually, the story of Prophet Lut, it comes up, I think, like over like a dozen times in the Qur'an. Yeah. And in many different surahs as well. So it's not just that it's like once in like a very small amount of verses. No, it's actually there's multiple, multiple places in the Quran. And and in actually almost all of those places, it's described very similarly. The wording in a lot of these surahs, it's very similar. Where Lut is kind of telling his people, like, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to save you. What you guys are doing is wrong. Um, and Allah describes the, the deed, uh, you know, in, in one of the surahs as, as khaba'ith, which yeah. is filth, Filthy. essentially. Yeah. Um, so it goes to show the, the magnitude of this particular, um, of this particular sin. And Allah did end up destroying these people. And they had mm-hmm. one of, you know, a very severe punishment where the, the, the town, everything was kind of just like lifted and then came crashing down, and and that was sort of, of sort of their punishment. Yeah. Um, for that, you um, have something to say? I wait, are you, you were... done? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say something I found really interesting is like Samaya was describing. It's mentioned quite a few times throughout the Quran, and it's it's not a taboo topic to talk, in our holy book, you know, which I find yeah. really interesting because in our day-to-day like lives, like Tameo was saying, we were really debating about even talking about this on, in the first place, and I'll be completely frank with everyone. I was on the side with, of, you know, 
I think we should just leave it alone. Mm. You know, but the more that we're talking about it, the more I'm realizing even in the Quran, like our holy book, it's described so many times. And this this uh, verb of khaba'ith, I don't believe it's described to any other sin mentioned in the Quran. You know, mm. this, 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 you can correct me if I'm wrong. I um, can't think, I'm not sure. Yeah, and so... It's just, it's something so interesting to see that, that this is the reason why it's such a pressing matter for the Muslim community is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses an adjective that was described unlike any other sin. He he gave them such a grave punishment and it's mentioned so many times. It's explicitly stated, you cannot be doing this. This is wrong. You know, you're, you're going to doom yourselves essentially. Right. And I think that that's the reason why a lot of Muslims, like this is such an important conversation that we do need to have within our own communities because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it explicitly mentioned and explicitly clear um and for that adjective I believe it's in Surah Al-Anbiya like the seventh page or something like that but like that's where it's explicitly described you know so just one of the many times and so I think that I just came to the realization that if God doesn't see it as a taboo topic why should we yeah. you know because it's honestly it's an inclination it's it's it can the the um inclination of like you know towards the same gender or something can be a test Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may give somebody um you know everyone is faces faces hardships and that might be a a natural test Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you where he makes you have those thoughts but like Sumayyo was saying like you know as long as you don't act upon it it's fine you know, you can have those thoughts, but you have to push them aside because your true identity is what matters, yeah. you know, and you're not punished for your thoughts. I think that's something that we need to make clear. Like, just because you might think like that, as long as you don't act upon it, that's fine. And as long as you seek help in, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and refuge, you know, I think that's something really big. It's just because this can be a test that someone can be having and that's perfectly fine. Yeah. It's just as long as you, you overcome it, you know. It's just like when people might be having like depressive episodes or something. As long as you can overcome that and you seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you seek his help, he will help you get through it because that's a test that unlike any other, you know? Yeah. So those are yeah. just a couple of thoughts. No, I think that, you know, for sure, the magnitude of the sin, it definitely because of, of Prophet Lut and, and the story of his people um, and the way that Allah describes it in the Quran. And also there's a hadith that Prophet said, you know, there is... Um, one sin that I really fear for my ummah and that is the sin of, of homosexuality yeah. and just to kind of piggyback off the point that Asid was, was mentioning because there are a lot of people that tend to kind of give the argument well God creates people that have these inclinations and why would God create people with these inclinations if it's wrong yeah. and so just like Asid was saying it is a test and we do believe that yeah Allah does create people that have that sort of inclination some people they definitely are inclined towards or they are attracted towards the same gender. Yeah. And that is a very difficult test, you know, and pray that, you know, Allah keeps us away from, from that. But it's just, and that's something that I, I kind of want to, to mention, that it's just basically like any other yes. inclination towards sin that you would have, mm -hmm. right? On a related note, you know, as Muslim women or whatever, as Muslims are not supposed to be dating or having, um, you know, any sort of relationship with the opposite gender. We're not supposed to get too comfortable with the opposite mm -hmm. gender. We're not supposed to participate in zina. All of these things, very big sins, very big sins. Mm -hmm. um, but there are plenty of people, especially nowadays, who are very much so inclined towards that, who you know, definitely want to participate in, in those kinds of things. So just like for me, having a crush on a guy or being attracted to a guy, um, that's, like I said, I'm saying, that's not a sin. 
right? As long as I can keep my inclination under control and I don't act upon my inclination, I'm not going to be punished for that. And that's a test too, you know, having to wait, like genuinely having to have the patience to wait, even when everyone else around you is in all of these like lovey-dovey relationships, having the patience to wait, like that's a test and that's a hard test. Like it's very much so a difficult, very difficult test. So just in that way, if Allah's testing you with, with homosexuality or homosexual inclinations and feelings, you're not punished until you act upon it. You're not taken yeah. out of the fold of Islam just because you have these desires. Yeah. That's something that I think is so important to recognize is that you're not not a Muslim if you're attracted to the same gender. You yeah. only, you know, you only necessarily become in the wrong when you start to act upon it. But just like with any other sin, you have to curb your desire. You have to control your desire because yeah. you're not you're not punished for the desire Mm -hmm. you know just like again like if someone's inclined towards drinking alcohol maybe someone converted to islam and they used to drink a lot and now all of a sudden they still have that desire you know they're muslim but they still have that desire to drink right you have to curb the desire so i think that even even with this whole argument of god creates these people yeah he does but the true believer sees it as a test yeah. How can you overcome the test? Because we're all tested in different ways, and, 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 and it's hard. It's so hard not to just fall into your desires, you know? Yeah. So. And I think a really another really good note, um, like you were describing how, like, it doesn't take you out of the folds of Islam, and you can, oh, essentially, you can always come back. You know, you can yeah. go astray from the straight path, but as long as you're still living and breathing, you can always come back. But I think that the thing about this community is often they let the sin or this desire consume them entirely. It becomes everything. Yeah. You know, and so that can make it really difficult to, to, to come back from, if you mm. think about it, because that becomes your essence. It becomes who you are. Um, and so you just have to realize, like, just like with any other sin, like, you don't want to, like, consume alcohol to the point where you become an alcoholic, because it's really hard yeah. to come back from being an alcoholic. You know, you can't, but it's difficult versus just, like, you know, you know, having it every once in a while and then realize, okay, this is wrong. Like, I shouldn't be doing this, you know? So, like, with any other inclination or desire, you have to control it from the very beginning. Otherwise, it will become an addiction. It will become something that consumes you and your entire everything, you know? Um, And so I think that's just a point that I wanted to add about this community is just, you know, it's sometimes sad to see, especially whenever you see, like, people on Instagram. It's like, oh, I'm a queer Muslim. And then, you know, you go on and on about how they put their identity of Muslim and queer, like, right next to each other, LGBT, right next to each other. And and I'm really happy you still align with the faith. I'm not saying that anything at all. But you can't just pick and choose what you want to believe. You yeah. can't just pick and choose what rulings you're going to listen to or what rulings you're not going to listen to. At the end of the day, you know, you really have to realize, like, okay, yes, I agree with all of this. But this last thing, I can't just make it right. Like, it's yeah. something that I'm doing wrong and I have to recognize that. Yeah. You know? And that, that recognition is the very first step. Um, Absolutely. But you can't normalize it. We were talking about this in our other episode. You can't just normalize the sin. You can recognize that you're doing the sin. That's fine. You know, and I'm not saying continue doing it. I'm saying try, try to stop doing it. But right. you, can't, you can't put two and two together and say, okay, now it's okay because I put the word Muslim right next to it. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying I want to see anyone leave Islam. I'm not saying that whatsoever, but right, I am right. saying recognize that Those your identity things, of Muslim labels, and click. exactly it's contradictory. The labels don't click. Yeah. Right. So it's like saying, Oh, like I'm I drink I'm an alcoholic Muslim. Like, like I drink alcohol that, but I'm a Muslim. 
Um, it's I'm a Muslim who has an alcoholic problem and I need to fix that. Right. That's the way it should right. be. I, or for in this case, I'm a Muslim who has this inclination towards the same sex and, you know, I've acted upon it. Um, but I need to fix that. Like, and right. I, I'm, I'm narrating this, you know, but like, this is work on at yeah. least curbing it. Yeah. Or, yeah, I think that that's, that's a good point. Cause that's something that we're seeing a lot of too, is this, you know, people that, um, that are sort of putting these two labels together and they just don't, they don't go together. Um, I feel like when it comes to, I don't know, it, it's difficult because we as Muslims, um, have strayed a lot from the path and I'm not even just talking about with this particular thing it's with everything it's with everything and it's it's really disappointing to see when you see Muslims who are openly engaging in in um in relationships and in in zina and you know you see other Muslims who are partying and going to the club and drinking and you see more and more women take off their hijab and you see you know you we see a lot of a lot of things um, and it, it's really hard to see that. It's really hard to see the community yeah. kind of just slowly fall apart um, or just get frayed really, really thin where it's kind of like, you know, and I think that's the thing is people have to realize, like, which identity comes first, what, what part yeah. of your identity is, is the essence and influences the rest. Um, I was talking to my dad one time because I was actually asked this question when I was at school um, someone came up to me and she was like, what would you do if your kid was like gay or, or anything, any that that's not straight, I guess. Um, and I was kind of like, whoa, what type of question is that? <laughs> like it, it, the question really came out of absolutely nowhere. We weren't even talking about anything to do with this. And, um, the answer I gave her, I'll, I'll say it here. And, and this is something that I really hope you know, to be able to do if I was in the situation, and I just pray that I'm never in the situation to begin with, but, um, I think that the most important thing is that you, and you would hope that if your child is making this, this decision, they're actually old enough to make that decision, and they're not, like, one of those, like, four-year-old, like, transgender kids or, or something like that, which is a whole, we're not even going to get into that, because then we're going to yes, get a little my too mouth personal, open. Like, <laughs> um, but, you know, like, you would hope that if, if, if your child or if someone you know is making that decision, then they're old enough to actually understand that decision that they're making. So I think that my first step, and this isn't even just to a child, but if it was a friend or anyone that I was close to, I think my first thing would to let them know that I don't agree and that I don't support them, but that as their mother or their friend or whatever, that I'm still here for them. And yeah. that... You know, and I think that a lot of people, especially people who are Muslim, they turn kind of towards these other things. A lot of them are already questioning the faith, right? They're yeah. already they're already questioning Islam, and when parents react with hatred and they say they're going to disown you and blah blah blah, it just reaffirms this kid's idea that Islam is this horrible yes. religion. Yes. So I feel like I would have to try my best. I would be very disappointed. But I would have to try my best to still try to include my child in things and to still try to um, be there for them as their mother or if it was my friend to still be there for them as 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 a friend and to still, you know, let's let's do things together. Let's go to the masjid if you're willing. Let's, you know, just to try to just at least keep them connected and not react negatively because that can push them farther away. 
Yes. And um, I think that, of course, to the best of your ability, you'd have to speak with them and tell them, you know, what you're doing Islamically isn't correct. You know, I care about you. I care about you because I want you to be in, in Jannah. I don't want to see you going down this, this wrong path. Um, but I think that the approach is what's really important. And so I was talking to my dad about this because after the girl asked me the question, I was kind of like, it was really like just sitting, I was like, oh my gosh, like it was just sitting in my head for, for a really long time and it was like really eating at me. And my dad told me something and I honestly was not expecting his response to be this, but he said, you know, that doesn't make someone a mushrik, yeah. you know, sinning doesn't make you a disbeliever. And of course we all know that we all sin. But what I'm talking about is even the people who have girlfriends or boyfriends or, you know, do zina, even though zina is a major sin and that takes a different kind of repentance. But, you know, even if you drink alcohol or if you barely, you know, you maybe you, you skip prayers here and there or you're, you know, involved in the LGBTQ community, you, you identify with, with them, that none of that makes you a disbeliever, you know? And so my dad told me, he was like, the, the most important thing is that you still, you try your best to keep them at least somewhat on, somewhat connected to the faith, yeah. you know? Because <clears throat> sinning, even if it's a little bit more major, that doesn't make you a kafir yet, unless you choose to be. And that's a different story, yeah, obviously. Yeah, you choose to leave um, But I thought that was a really good response of just like, you know, because there are people in our Muslim communities that struggle with this, and I think it's just important to be there for them. Yeah. And... To remember that just because someone is sinning, that doesn't mean that they're that they're disbelievers. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. mean they're disbelievers yet. So yeah, I think it's a really great response. I yeah. I mean, I might just piggyback off of that because I honestly don't know how I would react. Yeah. In the moment, you know, because you work so hard to raise somebody on the faith, and then that 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 would make me think, where did I go wrong? What did I do? Yeah, absolutely. You know? But no, I mean, this episode is getting kind of long, but. I think that would be a really good approach if, because I think that at the end of the day, that's also a test for the parents. Absolutely. Just as much as it is a Absolutely. test for the kids because yeah. you work so hard to raise them and then, you know, so yeah, I don't really have anything else to say on that. I think that's a really good response. I just, I think that, you know, just the takeaways from this episode is that the Islamic, the true Islamic stance is really that we don't support this, we don't agree with it, and we shouldn't participate in it. Um, I think that I, we really also just want to make sure that you guys really consider that whole identity thing, like what makes you who you are. Um, and then also just, just know that, that any Muslim who's responding to anyone with hatred and disrespect and being rude, like that's not Islam. That goes against your identity. That goes against Islam, truly. So even though we don't agree, we don't support, um, we will always be kind um, and respectful just because we also want people to give us that same respect. Yeah. We're not expecting support and agreement. You know, I'm not expecting that from anyone, but I do expect respect. And I think that if you expect something, you have to be willing to also give it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, I guess, is that, and just don't focus on that, that desire that's within your heart. Um, change your focus to something else. You know, if you're starting to focus, you have these inclinations towards whatever it may be. Um, just go ahead and see, okay, how can I curb that? How can I curb that? While my faith is still strong, well, I know I still have it before, you know, shaitan continues to influence me. What can I do to, to change what I'm feeling? What can I do to focus my efforts on something else? And then really just, I think, for everyone, just really understand what does it mean to be a true Muslim to you? 
Um, yeah. And then from there, these desires that you have won't affect you nearly as much, you know, because you're strong in your faith. Um, yeah. And yeah. Is that it? I think so. Okay. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. And inshallah, you guys will hear from us next week.